The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Uh, welcome to The Creep Show. That's Ashley. I'm Sarah. And today we are talking about, I keep wanting to say the RMS Titanic, but it's the RMS Queen Mary. Um, and she is currently docked Long Beach, California, built by John Brown and Company and Clyde Bank, Cherbourg and New York. The two ships were a British response to the express superliners built by German, Italian, and French companies in the late 20s and early 30s. She sailed her maiden voyage on May 27th, 1936, and won the Blue Ribbon that August. She lost the title to SS Normandy in 1937 and recaptured it in 1938, holding it until 1952 when it was taken by the new SS United States. With the outbreak of the Second World War, she was converted into a troop ship and ferried Allied soldiers during the conflict. After years of decreased profits for the Connard Line, Queen Mary was officially retired from service in 1967. She left Southampton, Southampton for the last time on October 31st, 1967, and sailed to the port of Long Beach, California, where she remains permanently moored. The ship serves as a tourist attraction featuring restaurants and a museum and hotel. The ship is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The National Trust for Historic Preservation has accepted Queen Mary as part of the Historic Hotels of America. One condition of, uh, or sorry, construction on the ship, then known only as Hull Number 534, began in December 1930 on the River Clyde by the by John Brown and Company. Um, work was halted in ni- December 1931 due to the Great Depression. Um, and Cunard applied to the British government for a loan to complete 534. The loan was granted with enough money to compete, complete the unfinished ship and also to build a running mate with the intention to provide a two-week ship weekly, or two-ship weekly service to New York. One condition of the loan was that Cunard merged with the White Star Line, another struggling British shipping company, which was Cunard's chief British <laughs> rival at the time and had already been forced by the depression to cancel construction on of its oceanic. Both lines agreed and the merger was completed on May 10th, 1934. Work on Queen Mary resumed immediately and she was launched on September 26, 1934. We got a kitty cat just entered the room show. Our co-host here, Emma. Um, she is thicker than a snicker and she is whiter than um, me. <laughs> <laughs> The ship was named after Mary of Tech, consort of King George V. Until her launch, the name was kept a closely guarded secret. Legend has it that Connard intended the name the ship Victoria, in keeping with the company tradition of giving its ships names ending in IA. But when company representatives asked the king's permission to name the ocean liner after Britain's greatest queen, he said his wife, Mary of Tech, would be delighted. I'm so tickled. And so the legend goes, the delegation (laughs) had, of course, no other choice but to report that number 534 would be called Queen Mary. Mary's design was criticized for being too traditional, 
especially when Normandy's hull was revolutionary with a clipper-shaped streamlined bow. Except for her cruiser stern, she seemed to be an enlarged version of her cunnered predecessors from the pre-First World War era. Her interior design, while mostly Art Deco, seemed restrained and conservative when compared to the ultra-modern French liner. Queen Mary proved to be more the more popular vessel than her rival in terms of passengers carried. In August 1936, Queen Mary captured the Blue Ribbon from Normandy with average speeds of 30.14 knots westbound and 30.63 knots uh, eastbound. The interior facilities available on board Queen Mary um, featured two indoor swimming pools, beauty salons, libraries, and children's nurseries for all three classes, a music studio and lecture hall, telephone connectivity to anywhere in the world, outdoor paddle tennis courts and dog kennels. The largest room on board was the cabin class, aka first class, main dining room, um, which is the grand salon, it's not an actual hair salon, it's a dining room, spanning three stories in height and anchored by wide columns. The ship had many air-conditioned public rooms on board. The cabin class swimming pool facility spanned over two decks in height. This was the first ocean liner to be equipped with her own Jewish prayer room, part of a policy to show that British shipping lines avoided the anti-Semitism at the time in Nazi Germany. I can't talk. I'm distracted by cute kitties. The three largest liners in the world sat idle for some time until the Allied commanders decided that all three ships could be used as troop ships. Normandy was destroyed by fire during her troop ship conversion. Queen Mary left New York for Sydney, Australia, where she, along with several other liners, were converted into troop ships to carry Australian and New Zealand soldiers to the United Kingdom. <laughs> Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth were the largest and fastest troop ships involved in the war, often carrying as many as 15,000 men in a single voyage, and often traveling out of convoy without escort. Their high speed and zigzag courses made it virtually impossible for U-boats to catch them. On October 2, 1942, Queen Mary accidentally sank one of her escort ships, slicing through the light cruiser HMS Caracoa off the Irish coast with a loss of 239 lives. Queen Mary was carrying thousands of Americans on the 29th Infantry Division to join the Allied forces in Europe. Due to the risk of U-boat attacks, Queen Mary was under orders not to stop under any circumstances and steamed onward with the fractured stem. Some sources claim that hours later, the convoy's lead escort returned to the rescue with, the fra- uh, with 99 survivors of Kurakawa's screw screw crew of, <laughs> of 338, including her captain, John Boutwood. This claim is contradicted by the liner's then-staff captain and later cunnered Commodore Harry Gaddage, who records that Queen Mary's captain, Gordon Illingsworth, immediately ordered the accompanying destroyers to look for survivors within moments of Korakoa's sinking. Queen Mary is permanently moored as a tourist attraction, hotel, museum, and event facility in Long Beach. From 1983 to 1993, Howard Hughes' plane H-4 Hercules was located in a large dome nearby. The dome was later repurposed as a soundstage for film and television. The structure is now used by Carnival Cruise Lines as a ship terminal and um, as a venue for the Long Beach Derby Gas Roller Derby Team, or GALS Roller Derby Team. When Queen Mary was bought by Long Beach, the new owners decided not to preserve her as an ocean liner. 
It had been decided to clear almost every area of the ship below sea deck after 1950 to lessen passenger confusion as the restaurants were located on our deck to make way for Jack Cousteau's new Living Sea Museum. This increased museum space to 400,000 square feet. It is re required removal. It required removal of all the boiler rooms, the forward engine room, both turbo generator rooms, the ship stabilizers, and the water softening plant. The ship's empty fuel tanks were filled with local mud to keep the ship's center of gravity and draft at the correct levels, as these critical factors had been affected by the removal of the various components and structure. On May 8, 1971, Queen Mary opened her doors to tourists. Initially, only por portions of the ship were open to the public, as specialty restaurants had yet to open its dining venues, and PSA had not completed work converting the ship's original first-class staterooms into the hotel. As a result, the ship was open only on weekends. On December 11, 1971, Jack Cousteau's Museum of Sea opened with a quarter of the planned exhibits completed. Within the decade, Cousteau's museum closed due to low-ticket sales and the death of many of the fish that were housed in the museum. On November 2, 1972, the PSA Hotel Queen Mary opened its initial 150 guest rooms. Two years later, with all 400 rooms finished, PSA brought in Hyatt Hotels to manage the hotel, which operated from 1974 to 1980 as the Queen Mary Hyatt Hotel. By 1980, it had become apparent that the existing system was not working. The ship was losing millions each year for the city because the hotel, restaurants, and museum were run by three separate concessionaries, while the city owned the vessel and operated guided tours. It was decided that a single operator with more experience in attractions was needed. Port Properties operated the entire attraction after Jack Rather's death in 1984 until 1988 when his holdings were bought by the Walt Disney Company. Rather had built the Disneyland Hotel in 1955 when Disney, when Walt Disney had insufficient funds to construct the hotel himself. Disney had been trying to buy the hotel for 30 years. When they finally succeeded, they also acquired Queen Mary. This was never marketed as a Disney property, however. Through the late 1980s and early 1990s, Queen Mary struggled financially. Disney penned their hopes for touring, turning the attraction around on Port Disney a huge planned resort on the adjacent docks. It was to include an attraction known as Disney Sea, a theme park celebrating the world's oceans. The plans eventually fell through. In 1992, Disney gave up the lease on the ship and focus, to focus on building what would become Disney's California Adventure. The Disney Sea concept was recycled a decade later in Japan at Tokyo Disney um, with Tokyo Disney Sea with a recreated ocean liner resembling Queen Mary and named the SS Columbia as the centerpiece of the American waterfront area. With Disney gone, the Hotel Queen Mary closed on September 30th, 1992. The owners of the Spruce Goose, an aero club of Southern California, sold the plane to the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum in Oregon. The plane departed on barges on October 2nd, 1992, leaving the huge dome empty. The Queen Mary tourist attraction remained open for another two months, but on December 31st, 1992, Queen Mary completely closed her doors to tourists and visitors. So moving on to some of the ghost 
ghosty ghosts, which what you came for. So this is from a What Culture article. Let's get this list started with the famous one. So the lady in white, or white lady, is the apparition reported by many, and there's even a photograph which may deem to be evidence of her existence. It is suspected the lady in white is one of its passengers from the time. She is often spotted around the Queen's Salon, a first-class lounge aboard the ship, wearing a long, white evening gown. She is unmissable and one of the most well-known ghouls from the ship. The white lady dances to unheard music and looms over present at the end of the lounge and its surrounding corridors. While not malicious, she is well reported. She is a well-reported spirit who has been appearing before guests for over a half a century. Countless ghost stories have come from the first-class pool area. Many claim to hear spectral voices, one supposedly coming from little Jackie, a five- or six-year-old girl reported to have drowned in one of the ship's pools. One worker, however, disputes this claim. According to the ship's logbooks, nobody has ever died in the first-class pool area. So then how does that explain the ghost he saw one fateful morning? While inspecting the area before a tour, historical consultant on board Queen Mary, Bill Souter, watched a wo- woman walk down the stairs. The, st- um, the stairs, made from ceramic, made a lot of noise when used, but the woman descended, stem- descended them silently with eyes fixed downwards. She was young, in her early 20s, wearing outdated fashion straight from the 1960s. Souter saw her in plain view, but as he walked behind a pillar to go and greet her, she disappeared without a trace. This young lady was also not malevolent. malevolent. As Souter said, he felt no fear or unease, but her disappearance makes him believe she was a ghost. It seems the ship has a few spirits that mean no harm. Grumpy is the name affectionately given to an event experienced by multiple people around the ship, encountering the growling ghast. Sounds strange, but there have been countless reports of snarling growl sounding in the ears of visitors. Around the pools, a room under the stairs, in the boiler room, and down the hallways, these are all areas where Grumpy has been known to come out to play. People have never experienced any harm when coming into contact with him, whose identity is unknown, but occasionally his grouchiness is accompanied by the smell of cigarette smoke. Perhaps he's trying to scare people away, or perhaps he's just got a smoker's cough. Apparently, it has portals. I know I don't mean portholes like most ships have. I mean portals, like to another dimension. Like portals to hell? No, to other dimensions. Um, So it uh, says, but there have been multiple accounts on the Queen Mary of vortexes, small spots on the ship that emit spectral energy. They are thought to be the spaces where the spirit world connects to the human world. One of these vortexes is in the ship's boiler room, around where the remains of a worker named John Henry were once found. Alongside supposed apparitions of Henry, a spot has been felt around the boiler room's entrance, adjacent to the ship's green room where spiritual energy is highest. Another of these vortexes is said to be in the pool's dressing boxes. One of the most untouched original areas of the of the Mary, a medium identified these boxes as being the center of spiritual energy on the ship. Not what you want to be feeling while you're getting changed. But that isn't the only meaning to the term vortex upon the gray ghost. Bill Souter, the employee who spotted a ghost by the pool, experienced what he described as being pulled back in time. Once, as he zoned out waiting for a tour to pass through the ship, he was suddenly transported back to 1966, to the end of Queen Mary's life of service. While before he had, he had been in the sunset of California, he was suddenly, in the middle of winter, 
with snow on the deck in New York. Satter describes feeling the depression surrounding the crew. The Mary was retired in 1966, and the crew around him knew they would be losing their jobs. The experience was over in a flash, and Souter found himself back in California, watching the last tour of the day, moving up the ship to greet him. He has no explanation for the event, but he swears it happens. Is the Queen Mary the new TARDIS? <laughs> Another infamous ghost story from aboard the Queen Mary is the one of John Petter. He's also known as some as Half Hatch Harry. Ha- oh my God, Half Hatch Harry due to the unfortunate details of his death. In 1966, during a routine drill, the crewman, only 18 years at the time, reportedly played a daredevil game of chicken trying to run through the watertight door before it closed. The door crushed him from collarbone, collarbone to liver, but according to many, it did not crush his spirit. Petter seems to have uh, his daredevil nature as around door 13, where he met his demise, Dark silhouettes have been spotted skulking, even going as far as to chase workers and create loud metallic noises to frighten the unwitting. The isolation ward is a pleasant area of any ship, you know, where the sick and dying are kept to live out their final days and where prisoners are sometimes contained to atone for their crimes. The Queen Mary's isolation ward saw its fair share of visitors over the decades of service, and it seems that some never left. Visitors down there on tours and during explorations have felt presences presences, and seen shadowy figures, perhaps nothing too out of the ordinary given its haunted ship. But considering the disease and death that took place in the room, the experiences are made all the more creepy. If that wasn't bad enough, there is a placard upon the wall of the isolation ward detailing the names of all those known to have died upon the ship, as well as the causes of their deaths. Upon it, you can see that more passengers actually died on board than the crew did. One of the most chilling stories from the Queen Mary is the murder of a family inside room B-474. For reasons unknown, their cold-blooded killer of a father strangled the mother and sisters and then shot Dana in the room's bathroom. As if the family's brutal murder was not enough, the ghost of a young girl, Dana, is said to still be around. It is mentioned that she sometimes joins John Henry and Grumpy and has been contacted in in areas where they lurk as well. Room B-474 is said to be rife with paranormal activity, most likely stemming from the awful events that occurred there. Dana is not a malicious ghost, though, it seems. She is most likely seen playing and occasionally heard calling out to her mother. Presumably dating back from the Queen Mary's first voyage of the 1930s, comes a ghostly figure seen on many separate occasions. The man is tall with dark hair and is dressed in 1930s-style clothing. He has been spotted around the first-class suites, walking around only to disappear in the blink of an eye. He seems friendly enough. Guests and staff had watched him smile at them as he continues on his journey. At least he's happy. The rooms around the first-class suites are not as chipper, though. It seems inside the rooms, lights turn on in the middle of the night, phones ring only to have nobody at the other end, and water begins running by itself. BuzzFeed Unsolved star Ryan Bergera even reported the faucet running of its own accord in his first day on the Mary, and he, as he entered the room, his toothpaste fell to the floor by an unseen force. Whether these are the thing, the doings of the tall man or by some other more unhappy spirits, we will never know. This list truly wouldn't be complete without mentioning room B340. It has gone down in history as the ship's most haunted room, and for good reason. 
The most notorious of the suspicious circumstances that have happened inside the room is that of um, is that in the 1960s, a passenger aboard the ship brutally murdered two women without an apparent reason. He was locked in the room that is now B340 while awaiting police officers when the guard posted outside began to hear screaming. The murderer claimed someone was in the room trying to kill him, but the guard ignored the cried for, cries for help, believing them to be an escape plan. It was after police arrived and the door to the room was opened that he was found murdered. We'll spare the grisly details, but he, um, there was supposedly no way the man could have inflicted such dismemberment to himself. So what happened? Nobody knows. Years later, more reports of murder came in from room B340, but the Queen Mary's records are blank as to whether or not they were true. Regardless of what happened, complaints came flooding in from guests years down the line of paranormal activity happening in that very room. Whether it's all true or just folklore, nobody can deny that room B B340, no matter how refurbished and pretty it is now, harbors a dark aura. The room's very energy seems to effuse negative negativity, even when other ghostly experiences aren't seen or felt. Whatever happened in B340, and perhaps it's best we never find out, something is strange about the place. The Queen Mary is definitely a place I want to visit the next time I'm in California. So that was the Queen Mary. Um, that was the Creep Show. That's Ashley. I'm Sarah. Stay creepy, dog. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.